what is good? Welcome to Spirit Bill Real Talk with Juliana. I am your host, Juliana Page, and I am so excited that you are here. I am an author, a speaker, and a professional life coach, but really, I am here to give you practical wisdom that you can integrate into every area of your life so that you can thrive and not just survive. So if you are ready to live a spirit-led life and level up your inner game so that you can win in your outer game. Let's dive right in. What is good? Welcome back to the Spirit-Filled Real Talk podcast. Today is going to be a doozy. It's definitely one of those episodes that you want to have a notebook handy for and jot down some notes if that's something that you value. It's also one that if you're driving on the move, on a run, multitasking, totally cool, but I would screenshot this so that it ends up in your phone photos and you can remember to go back and re-listen with attentiveness so that you can actually receive the golden nuggets that are for you and really be able to integrate this revelation into your life because that's really where the rubber meets the road, okay? So I debated on the title for this one between you get what you tolerate, which we often have heard, or excellence over entitlement. And the latter, although maybe not socially cool, quote unquote, is definitely where this message is at. So we're gonna weave in and out through a couple of different things today, but it will be well worth your listening. All right, so let's dive into this. So first and foremost, you probably have heard the saying that talk is cheap. Talk is cheap because it's easily, it's easy, there we go, it's easy to say one thing and it's a different thing entirely to embody it and to be about it. Have you ever noticed that? It is easy to say something, to promise something, to even convey something on social media, but it is something different entirely to actually embody what you say and to be about it in your action. There's a quote that says, your actions speak so loud, I can't even hear what you say. So if you are a person that doesn't back up your word with action, that can be destructive and really sabotage many different areas and affairs in your life, okay? So talk is cheap. It takes less time to do the right thing than it does to explain why you did it wrong and have some ownership and accountability there, humility as well, or to come up with and keep up with excuses to defend yourself. Really, you're just digging a bigger hole and creating a bigger problem for yourself and whoever is on the receiving end of that. Integrity, however, is telling yourself the truth. And beyond that, honesty is then your ability to tell other people the truth. So for example, If you're not telling yourself the truth, if you're not even keeping promises with yourself, you're losing trust in yourself and you're losing the ability to actually build trust with other people, right? If you're telling lies to yourself, you're telling lies to other people also. So being somebody who's ruthlessly self-examining, with God, of course, is a blessing because on the other side of that is your influence, all right? Now, on the contrary, a liar needs low standards and a good memory. Have you ever noticed that? Like we all are capable of lying. We've all lied. <laughs> and if you haven't lied, you're lying right now, right? So we've, we've all been there. So nobody is immune to this, but it is harder. You'll actually go through the school of lots of hard knocks being a liar because a liar has low standards and has to have a really good memory to keep up with all that, all right? If you tell the truth on the flip side, you don't have to remember anything. If you show up to the presence of the moment, right, and and actually follow through and take inspired action, you don't have to remember stories that you made up. If you're living truth as your lifestyle, as your standard, you don't have to keep up with all these stories and all these lies. There's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. There's also a lot of peace in that. 
So my encouragement as we start this podcast today is to re-examine all that you've been told. Sometimes we, we value things that other people presented and it's not actually what we value. Sometimes we accept things and it actually is toxic to our soul, but we continue to tolerate it. Sometimes we go along with the way other people are showing up and we aren't even standing up for what's right. We just allow that to continue and we're inviting more of that into our experience. So re-examine all that you've been told. Dismiss that which disrupts or insults your soul, right? There's a reason why you're feeling that discomfort. It's inviting you to look at something that maybe you would otherwise ignore. Goodness often known in the Bible as righteousness, is about character. It's about integrity. It's about honesty. It's about kindness, generosity, moral courage, and the like. More than anything else, it's about how we treat other people. And you always have to start with yourself. You cannot treat other people well, and you cannot love other people well if you are not starting with yourself and starting by telling yourself the truth because you can't fix what you won't face, all right? So it's important to recognize that one person can make all the difference. And this is really where ownership and accountability comes from. You are not waiting on other people to change. You are not going to tell yourself the lie that if they would just, then I would. If they blah, 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 then I'll, whatever it is. No, (laughs) radical responsibility says, I'm going to own my part in this and here's how I'm going to show up. And integrity momentum is all about keeping promises with yourself and showing up consistently doing that. You build momentum of being able to trust and rely on yourself, right? So building integrity momentum with God, for example, is following through on inspired actions that you get rather than ignoring them. Right. And then as you get really good at that, you also build integrity and momentum with yourself. Right. As you're led to do something, you don't put it off. You don't make an excuse. You don't ignore it. You follow through. Right. And that's you building your authenticity. That's you building trust with yourself. That's you building confidence with yourself. And as you're able to do that with yourself, you're then able to model that in your relationships with other people, whether that's business, platonic, romantic, whatever it might be. Okay. Huge, 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 huge. So I want to talk about this, God's government. This is really important to recognize when it comes to excellence over entitlement. And I'm going to break both of these words down because sometimes we really absorb something when we can compare it to something else. Oh, you know what? Like I'm actually for this, but I'm showing up in this. So here's where I can make some adjustments. Here, here is how I can refine how I show up and what I offer to the world. Okay, so something to think about is God's government. It's actually in Isaiah 9 verses 6 and 7 where there's so much that's revealed about the character and nature of Jesus because it lists some of the names by which we know him, okay? So verse 7 also declares that of the increase of his government and of peace there shall be no end. Whew! That, that sounds great, but if you have a definition of government <laughs> that doesn't line up with God's definition of government, this could be something that, that might trigger you or might create some resistance. So let me break this down. The government that is upon Jesus' shoulders is not a political government, all right? On the contrary, the verse Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 refers to the governing of our lives. This is about integrity, right? We are not actually supposed to be running our own lives. This was a shocker <laughs> when, I, when I first got this revelation and started digesting this and integrating it into my life. Holy moly, I've spent my whole life trying to run my life, trying to figure it out, trying to lean on my own understanding, trying to white knuckle and and make it through in my own strength, right? How'd that work out? (laughs) Not well. It made me stressed out, overwhelmed, miserable, worried, anxious, not ideal, okay? Which is not who I was put here to be. So we're not actually supposed to be running our own lives. In fact, we're not even capable or qualified to do so. 
this is a wild one. None of us are intelligent enough to know what is best. And that is why we need to be so thankful for God's intervention and his willingness to lovingly guide our lives. This actually can really fill you with so much gratitude and so much overwhelm in the best way. You can be overwhelmed by God's goodness. That's different than being overwhelmed by the stresses of the world. But hear this again. None of us are intelligent enough to know what is best And that is why we need to be so thankful for God's intervention and his willingness to lovingly guide our lives. So just think about that. Is there a time where you surrendered, where you humbled yourself before the Lord and he actually lifted you up and you were so moved and thankful for his intervention and his willingness to lovingly guide your life? Those moments are beautiful. They're mag they're magical. They're miraculous, right? You are literally overwhelmed by God's goodness and so so thankful. And you can keep a record of those and build on those. Now, the more God's government increases in my life. In other words, this is what I define as God's vibes matter. <laughs> the the mantra that I remember, the self-check, the calling myself into order, the calling myself into alignment with God. The more God's government increases in my life, meaning the more he directs my thoughts, conversations, decisions, and actions, right? God's vibes are his thoughts, his, his, the way he would decide, the way he would act, the way he would show up in conversations. I'm aligning with truth, right? The more my peace will increase, the more he directs my thoughts, conversations, decisions, and actions, the more my peace will increase. Peace. Listen to this. (laughs) Peace does not come from success, professional position or promotions, social status, educational achievements, money, or an engaging personality and having charisma. Okay? I learned this one definitely the hard way, right? It only takes... So many achievements, professional positions or promotions, educational resume boosters, finances, you know, having a likable personality and and really experiencing how that impacts other people. You can have all that. You can go through all that. But at the end of the day, you can look at yourself in the mirror and be like, is this all there is? Or why do I still feel empty? Am I just chasing pursuits? You know what I mean? Is life just, you know, a a blade of grass? Do you know what I mean? That's what the Bible says. So you can get to this place where you feel a sense of emptiness. You're chasing all of this, but what is it for? Right? And, And really that's because there is a gap inside of all of us that only God can fill. And we are created by the creator. And if we don't have a relationship with him, how can we ever find fulfillment? And how can we be led by the best things that he has for us and led to those, right? So really, really important. We do not find peace from success, promotions, professional positions, social status, educational achievements, money, or just having an engaging personality. That's not where we get it. We find peace as we live according to the kingdom of God, which is defined as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's actually in Romans 14, 17. So being right with God and knowing we are right with God is really where peace comes from. Being right with God, knowing we are right with God, and doing right things out of knowing who we are in Christ is a process. But it leads to peace, and peace leads to joy. Can I get an amen on that one? Who wants more joy? If the joy of the Lord is your strength, I personally want more joy. If we don't, however, have righteousness, peace, and joy, then we are not enjoying the kingdom of God as we should and as we are able to. Occasionally, we may need to take a break from all other pursuits and simply seek God's kingdom. So this is why having a lifestyle of prayer and fasting is really important. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing, and sometimes we need to go on our own fast. We don't need to tell anybody about these. We can participate in corporate fasts, but you can also lead yourself in a personal 
devotion of, of fasting for a period of time, whether that's for breakthrough, whether that's to get closer to God, or whether it's just to get your flesh under control and really build up your spiritual life. So we can have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Okay, Matthew 6, 33 exhorts us to seek, which means to aim at and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given you besides. Okay, so this is just a self-check moment. What are you actually seeking and aiming at and striving after? And what is that bringing to your life? Just check that out. (laughs) And are you aware of God's way of doing and being right? Or are you really operating in self-righteousness? Check that out. Many times work, struggle, and strive. We, We do that. We work, we struggle, we strive for all the things. That's what we're going after. It's often what we do. And we do this, you know, we really work, strive, and seek after and struggle after all the things such as food, clothing, a relationship we desire, pleasure, and a position in society, being seen a certain kind of way. When we should actually be diligently seeking God's kingdom, loving Jesus, and making sure that his government is established in our lives. So think about that. Are you actually establishing or making sure that God's kingdom is established in your life. First of all, it's got to be established in your soul. Your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions need to be submitting to the spirit of God. There needs to be relationship with God. There needs to be a way that you are able to humble yourself before the Lord and allow the spirit of God to take over so you can flow in the spirit and make spirit-led decisions. And bring the spirit into conversations. Invite the spirit into what you think, say, and do, right? It says (laughs) also in Isaiah that all our righteousness are as filthy rags. Or in other words, all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. So essentially what that's saying is that if we think that we can live life in our own strength, like Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 is revealing, we cannot do, we're not even qualified to do, our self-righteousness is like a filthy rag in comparison to God's righteousness. So that right there is an invitation to humility. Apart from God, I am nothing, right? I didn't put this breath in my lungs. I didn't give myself life. I'm not that powerful, right? Apart from God, I am nothing. And apart from God, I can do no good thing. Having that revelation and living from that is also a recipe to really be led by God and to to really step into the blessings of God and to avoid pride. Because the Bible is very clear. Pride comes before a fall, which I'll get to in a second here. But in Isaiah 9, 6, you can turn this into a declaration God, you are my wonderful counselor, my mighty God, my everlasting father, and my prince of peace. Glory to God, right? This is really putting God back on the throne in your life rather than trying to sit on it yourself. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to just transition here into the main topic of this message, this was all a build to getting to that place about excellence over entitlement. Okay. So this is really, really important, but let me start by saying that entitlement by definition is really a belief that one is inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment a sense of entitlements. You may have heard it said too, there is a specific generation that is called the entitlement generation because they didn't have to sacrifice, right? They didn't have to really go through a hard season and develop character, right? And and really learn to, to value and appreciate what's given versus just having things given to you. Okay, so entitlement is the belief that one is inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. This can look like, you know, somebody 
being prideful, which there's one thing to have self-respect and there's another thing to have pride, but a belief that one is deserving or entitled of certain privileges, okay, it can come across as an attitude. So a sense of entitlement is a personality characteristic based on the belief that someone deserves special treatment or recognition for something they didn't earn. I'm just entitled to this. This is how people should treat me. I'm expecting that it should go this way, right? In other words, people with this mindset believe that the world owes them without giving anything in return. It's a very take, take, take sort of a a culture that this person lives under, okay? Now, if you're entitled, right, it, it really comes down to expecting other people to be more interested in you and what's on your agenda than you're interested in them and what's on their agenda. So I've seen this, and this was heartbreaking. I met with some church leaders and found out that there were many people that were approaching them wanting to have a platform and and just finding out a way that they could get rooted in this church so that they could be accelerated to this platform rather than really coming under the mission and supporting the church and being grateful that this place exists to bring them life and learning and and help them develop their character and and provide a space for them to contribute. Two totally different things, right? And it's really disheartening when you see that play out over and over again. But you expect other people to be more interested in you and what's on your agenda than you're interested in them and what's on their agenda. You see your own interests as more interesting than other people's, and you see your goals and dreams as more valid and important than other people. So this is something just to check in on. Are you showing up with some entitlement tendencies? And if you notice this, there's not shame involved. There's no guilt, shame, condemnation here. Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So give yourself some space and some grace here because God's mercies are new, but repent. If you see this, repent, turn from this, correct situations where you've shown up with this spirit of entitlement or this attitude of entitlement and correct that, right? Repent for it means turn from by doing something different, right? You're not going back to that. You're not going to keep showing up that way. You're going to take ownership for this ugly trait rearing its head, and align your life with God's excellence, okay? Now, you you might see this play out in relationships too, right? Where a partner decides that what they want is more important enough to outweigh their other person's wants or needs, right? So people may justify entitlements because of their sacrifices, their uncomfortable emotions, or superior knowledge, right? Because I've done this, you should be doing this. Because I provide X, Y, or Z, that means you should be doing X, Y, or Z. Completely dismissing the other person and where they're coming from. Okay, so you can see this and it's super destructive in relationships. That's why it's really important to be able to identify if this is operating in your life. If you are submitting to it, if you're thinking entitlement thoughts, if you're believing entitlement beliefs, if you have unfair expectations of yourself, of other people, right? Meaning you expect other people to sacrifice more than you or you expect other people to give more than you're willing to give right? Just explore this because there's freedom on the other side of it, okay? So hopefully that that helps you understand what entitlement is. Now, the Bible makes it clear about entitlement too and the position that God has on it. In James 4, verse 1 through 12, it says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder, You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world and makes himself an enemy of God... Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Wowza. 
okay? So investigate this. Sometimes unnecessary suffering can come from a spirit of entitlement. Check that out in your own life, okay? It also says Ephesians 4, 1 to 32. I'm not going to read this full verse, but just to give you a location or an address on this, Ephesians 4, 1 to 32. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Have you been called to entitlement? Just sniff it out for a second. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And it continues, okay? And then lastly... Luke 4.18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And this continues as well. But this is really important to investigate because if we are very self-centered, very self-absorbed, very entitled, we're not busy about the things of God. We're not seeking and pursuing his kingdom. We're seeking and pursuing our own passions, our own needs, our own wants. And we're really seeking after the world. And it's said clearly that one who does that is really enmity with God, is positioning himself to be an enmity with God. Okay. Now, Matthew 20, last verse on entitlement here. Matthew verse 21 to 16, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard and going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and then said to them, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going out again, about the sixth hour, the ninth hour, he did the same. So this is really defining the way to show up, if you're looking for that, that is not entitled. Many expect, as this verse continues, many expect and believe that they are entitled to receive some kind of way. All right, so that verse, if you go and continue, look into that. So super powerful to actually study that. Now, when it comes to excellence, on the contrary here, this is the quality of being outstanding or extremely good, okay? So excellence is defined as the condition of being superior, the quality of being excellent, state of possessing good qualities in an eminent degree, exalted, superiority in virtue. Okay. So excellence is something that we can pursue. And in fact, I recommend pursuing this over perfection. Perfection is destructive. When we're seeking excellence, that requires us to humble ourselves before the Lord because we can't be excellent in and of ourselves. Okay. And when it comes to excellence, again, the Bible is very clear. So it says in Daniel, which is a really great place to go to study excellence, Daniel 6.3, then this Daniel became distinguished above all other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. It didn't say an entitlement spirit was in him. It said an excellent spirit was in him and that distinguished him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Why? Because an excellent spirit was in him. So this is another self-check moment. Is an excellent spirit in you? The answer is yes, but are you activating it? Which one are you giving airtime in your life? Which one are you submitting to? <laughs> Entitlement or excellence? Not that these are the only two that, that are competing in your life, but it again is so helpful to compare one to the other to really assess Ooh, on a scale of one to 10, how excellent am I actually showing up? 10 being I'm showing up in excellence, <laughs> God's excellence, God's empowerment, God's enablement, grace, right? Or I'm showing up entitled. I'm actually not showing up. I'm expecting other people to do this for me and I get offended when they don't or I get slighted when they confront 
a way that I'm showing up that I feel uncomfortable with looking at. Hmm, teaching moments. Okay, Philippians 4.8 is a verse that you might have heard, but it defines excellence and where your focus should be going. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So a way to get behind this, you can ask yourself a question, is this going to matter a year from now? Is this going to matter five years from now? Right? Is it worth me giving it airtime? So the, the enemy is very much in control of the airwaves. <laughs> That's his realm, right? So I don't like giving things life, by giving them my attention, by giving them airtime in my life, by letting them play out to any degree. I don't need to tolerate in that light, that in my life, because I even consider that a form of abuse against myself. Okay. Now I'm not perfect at this. I'm just saying I don't want to tolerate unnecessary things or give life to unnecessary suffering with me. Okay. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. So this is a great self-check around motivation. Am I showing up? Am I striving? Am I pursuing getting an advantage from other people? Am I trying to position myself some kind of way? Or am I really working heartily as for the Lord? Because ultimately everything I receive, I'm giving back to, like none of it's mine. I'm just stewarding whatever he's given me, right? Titus 2.7 says, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity and dignity. Poof, that's so powerful. So this is something that I believe is really important to have accountability in your life because how can you really show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity and dignity if you're not getting feedback? <laughs> You're going to make mistakes. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to fall short, right? You're, you're going to miss the mark. Sin is missing the mark of God's standard, okay? So that's going to happen, but you're not going to see that and you're not going to hold yourself accountable to it if you don't have good accountability in your life, right? You need a multitude of counselors in your life, okay? 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So are you excelling in grace or are you excelling in works? Hmm, subtle, but huge difference in how you're showing up in the impact that you're making. Okay, and then lastly, Philippians 1, 9 and 10 says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be so pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So you're not here to make a name for yourself. <laughs> Your ministry is to become more like Jesus every day. Okay, so for example, some get into marriage because they, they want somebody to, to give to them, to serve them, to make their life easier. When really... Yes, the covenant of marriage has blessing and reward and protection connected to it, but it's really connecting with your partner and purpose, your sparring partner that is there to, to iron sharpen iron with you <laughs> and to help you grow up and mature in the faith and in your spiritual life to look more like Jesus. That person is a blessing, okay? Uncomfortable, yes, they're not there just to make you feel good or to meet your needs, right? They're there to draw out the potential God put on the inside of you and to help you live that out more and more each day. And you can't do that by yourself, right? Like it is easy. Let's put it this way. It is easy to consider yourself holy when you live alone and without other people. It is easy to consider yourself holy when you're not holding yourself to a standard and you don't have any coaching, you don't have any accountability, you don't have any support and mentorship in your life. You don't have anybody to confront what isn't right about how you're showing up. Because somebody that is a yes man or a yes woman is not, is not beneficial to you, right? Somebody that can help you live an entitled life and enable you to misbehave, so to speak, or to just act recklessly without accountability, 
that's not somebody that's acting out of love. They are just accommodating your manipulation and control. That is not somebody that loves you. That is somebody that is controlled by you. There's a difference, okay? So to break some of this down, what I want to wrap this up with, there's been many nuggets, I hope you've been taking notes, <laughs> is that yes, you do get what you tolerate, okay? That, that is true, but what I want to hold up for you is this is true in all aspects. So you get what you tolerate, whether that is in your relationships, in your business, in your health, in your thought life, in your heart, in your behavior, in the standards that you hold yourself to, you get what you tolerate, okay? So always when you are in a position to evaluate something that is uncomfortable, so let's say that you have a business confrontation or you have something going on in your relationship that needs confronting in an intimate relationship or you have something going on even with yourself, regardless of the environment or the situation, always start with yourself. Do not make this about the situation or about the other per person. You are not here to blame. You are here to be a leader and you cannot be a leader without ownership, without radical responsibility, without accountability and taking ownership upon yourself. Okay. So what you tolerate of and for yourself is what you'll get. That is absolutely true. That's just a law, right? So, so often, for example, we stay in our comfort zone, afraid of the unknown, afraid to challenge things, afraid to use our voice, afraid to push our limits, afraid to challenge the status quo, afraid to cause a disruption, afraid to own our beliefs, afraid to really challenge how somebody else is showing up, right? We're afraid to do that because we're afraid of the consequence. We're afraid of displeasing somebody. We're afraid of the ripple effect that that's going to create without actually thinking through the cost of not showing up, the cost of not being accountable, the cost of disrespecting ourselves, the cost of not telling ourselves the truth, the cost of not showing up and giving what we're here to give, the cost of not using our voice, the cost of not taking a stand, the cost of looking at something that's not right and walking away from it or ignoring it, the cost of not fixing something that is in your wheelhouse, your accountability, your your authority to fix, right? These things have consequences and usually the cost of not showing up is far greater than the cost of actually showing up and doing what is right, even when that feels uncomfortable. So this is a mistake, <laughs> right? Staying in the comfort zone inevitably leads to stagnation in one form of another, meaning it lowers your standard and you start tolerating things that are not okay. Okay, so for example, this happens a lot in a relationship and I've seen this, I've, I've been somebody that participated in this and engaged in this, but I, for example, have given people in a relationship too many benefits of the doubt. Okay, so rather than setting a standard, rather than initiating a boundary, rather than checking it right at the get-go, I gave the person the benefit of the doubt. I assigned meaning to it. I kept giving the benefit of the doubt when deal breakers were happening, where non-negotiables were being crossed, right? So this has happened in relationship before I grew and matured and got strong enough to stop allowing that and tolerating that. I had to raise my standard, right? I'm not gonna make this about the other person or blame them for how they treated me and the type of person that they are. For example, in the world right now, not everybody is a narcissist and not everybody has narcissistic personality disorder. But social media would have you out here creating a case about why that person is so bad and ugly. And what happens is, is you're not actually looking at the thorn, right? You're, you're too busy focusing on the thorn in their eye when you have a huge pull in your own eye, okay? So always start with yourself, okay? I felt like apparently somebody needed to hear that. But always start with yourself. Staying in the comfort zone inevitably leads to stagnation in one form or another. You will not reach your full potential by staying comfortable. You won't achieve your dreams or fulfill your vision by hanging back in your comfortable space. In fact, few people reach the end of their life and feel relieved at having played it safe. Often, and I love doing this, if you ever 
interview anybody that's in an elderly stage of life when they have so much precious wisdom to give you, they they usually aren't talking about how great it was that they played it safe. They usually say that they wish they'd taken these risks or they wish they'd done these things, right? So most end-of-life regrets are for the chances not taken and experiences not lived. So for example, for me, one of my goals is to live the world fully tapped out. I want to know that I, I executed my faith, which is spelled R-A-S-K. <laughs> I took the risk that I'm only here to take, right? I, I stepped out when it was uncomfortable. I, I said the thing that was hard to say because that was the most loving thing to do. And I wouldn't stand to, to let somebody show up beneath their potential, right? I gave my best and maybe that, that caused you know, a riff or a disconnect, but that was the most loving thing to do. And that was a seed that was planted and an opportunity for that person to rise to the occasion, okay? So the good news is, is that you can choose excellence today, right? It only takes a simple mindset shift, a pursuit shift, okay? And more good news, you can control your own thoughts. You can simply make a decision that you won't tolerate mediocrity from yourself anymore. So for example, I choose not to believe lies. I choose not to be manipulated or controlled by the enemy or other people. I choose not to make idols out of men. (laughs) I choose not to be desperate or needy, right? If I believe in God and that he's an abundant God and that he shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ, I don't need to beg people or chase people. And I'm not here for that and I don't stand for that, right? I carry myself differently because of what I believe, because of mindset shifts, because of what I value, okay? And this means that you demand more of yourself and you command more of yourself and you activate the truth in yourself. You decide what you want in life and you make a pact with yourself that you won't tolerate anything less. You choose to push yourself outside of your comfort zone and not suggesting that this happens overnight. On the contrary, this is a process and this this takes years sometimes, okay? But start, start, right? Progress equals happiness. So the more you're making progress every day, the more joyful you inevitably will feel. So you can take a step outside your comfort zone today. You can step towards a larger vision for yourself and then another. And every journey, big and small, starts with a decision to take a step in that direction. So you're not going to make excuses. You're not going to negotiate yourself. You're not going to blame anybody else. You're not going to make a case for why you are where you are. You're going to own where you are. You're going to apologize. You're going to make things right in a relationship. You're going to take more ownership and give and contribute in a way that aligns with excellence. You're going to pursue the kingdom and make sure that the government is what is ruling and reigning in your life. You're going to use your authority to operate in righteousness, peace, and joy when you could choose lesser things and lower your standard, right? These things are practice. They don't happen in mediocrity. They don't happen in default mode. They don't happen by happenstance. They are intentional, and it's something that you cultivate within yourself, right? You really get what you practice. You get what you practice. So it's what are you practicing and what are you cultivating in your own life? That is something to really take a good, hard look at. So when it comes to coaching, for example, one of the reasons that I love coaching so much is that it's really easy to be a critic or a cheerleader. Those two things are really easy. Like they're on completely different ends of the spectrum. It's harder to be a coach, okay? Because a critic sees your weaknesses and attacks your work self. You see that on social media all the time. They're called haters. They spend their life hating, right? Which does not lead to a better quality of life or more love. A cheerleader sees your strengths and celebrates your best self. But again, this this can really be interesting because they're they're not able to confront. They're not able to speak truth. They're not able to pull you aside, right? And really love you in that way. A coach on the flip side sees your potential and helps you become a better version of yourself. Okay? And God, I believe, is our master coach. And that's why I love the modality, the vehicle of coaching, because it's really being 
able to listen to the master coach and be led by the master coach in every area of your life, in what you think, in what you say, in what you do, you can honor him. And it's a beautiful thing because then you really allow him to flow through you into the lives of other people. Okay. So yes, it's true that you get what you tolerate. So what might you be tolerating? That might be something to examine today. Are you operating with an entitlement spirit versus an excellent spirit? And how can you make some adjustments around what you will tolerate and what you will not, starting with yourself, okay? And then are you taking ownership of anything that is uncomfortable and not going well in your life? It is not about the situation. It is not about the other person. It's an opportunity for you to grow and mature in your Christ likeness in a space to make things right, right? What if you were the one that was quick to own the situation and your part in it? What if you were the one that was quick to forgive? What if you were the one to take action and to make it right? versus blame, versus get offended, versus defend yourself, versus making an excuse. That costs you something. And it's usually not a relationship that probably is in your life to be a blessing or a gift or a situation that can turn into blessings or a gift. We often cut them off. We have a, a cutoff culture and a block ministry, right? And we often miss blessings because we're not willing to go in the weeds with people. And in the weeds of situation, what is God doing here? What is God's perspective here? How can I take ownership because I'm in this, right? And if you happen to be somebody that is being controlled or being manipulated or taken advantage of you, of or disrespected or exploited in some sort of way, you are tolerating that. If that is not the standard in your life, then it is an opportunity for you to rise up and for you to make it right, not to just sit and take it, okay? So know your place. If you are just a yes man, you are not ultimately loving and serving the person that you were just saying yes to all the time. You're allowing them to continue to cause pain or destruction, right? So check that out too. Now, Again, when it comes to excellence, always look at yourself first. You are not here to tell people how to live, to tell people how to show up, to tell them what they should or they have to do. You are here to grow and to evolve and to be who you were put here to be and to enjoy creating what you were put here to co-create with God, right? Other people's business is not your business. So stay out of it. Stay in your own lane and really cultivate and care for yourself. Start there and start with peace, right? Peace is expensive, right? If it's costing your peace, it is too expensive. If the client is costing you your peace, it is too expensive. If the relationship is costing your peace, it is too expensive. You're giving out your power. So this doesn't necessarily mean cut off the client, cut off the relationship, which is the tendency in the culture right now. But what it does mean is, is I'm giving my power away. I'm not showing up in my authority. I'm not being a powerful person. So something needs to change in me. And when I change, the things around me change. Okay. Hopefully that bless somebody. Now I'll leave you with this. This is a beautiful just prayer that I brought together here. So I'll leave you with this, okay? Whatever you are looking forward in life, whatever you are looking forward to, this doesn't come through entitlement. There are keys in the kingdom and they come from maturity. They come from aligning with truth. They come from knowing God's word and speaking it into your situations in life. There are keys that unlock doors to destiny, okay? And I believe that this is really encouraging. So listen to this. This is coming from Romans 8.25. If we look forward to something, yet we don't have it, we must patiently and confidently wait. Okay? Another way to say that is those who are certain of an outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. We often get into entitlements when we are needy or desperate or irrational. We're not operating under grace, under wisdom, under discernment. So pay attention to that. Romans 8, 25. 
Those who are certain of an outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. If I were certain of this outcome, would I still show up this way? If I were to operate in excellence because that's who I am, would this be how I behave and how I think? Would this be how I handle this situation or approach this relationship? Okay? Something new. When it comes to the lives and hearts of God's people, God is always up to something new. Though we love to look for signs or subtle shifts in circumstance, though it's such a gift to sense God's presence and receive insight from his word, he's working even when we can't see him, feel him, or sense him. He's always working, continually listening to our prayers and faithfully interceding for us, orchestrating circumstances that when displayed in all their fullness will reveal God's fatherly heart for his children, will unveil his meticulous attention to detail, and will leave us breathless. All of heaven is for us. Imagine what joy when the breakthrough finally comes. What a blessing when he reminds us that he keeps his promises. I believe excellence is rooted in knowing that. Excellence is in knowing God, in knowing his goodness, in knowing his love, in knowing his faithfulness, and in honoring him by how we choose to show up and represent him well. When you do that, and when you give your life to that, you can't be entitled. (laughs) In other words, you can be excellent or entitled, but you can't be both. Okay, so I hope this message blessed you. I know that this was a long one. There's many powerful nuggets here, but my prayer is that the increase of God's government and peace, there shall be no end to that in your life. In Jesus' name. All right, friends, if this message blessed you, make sure that you bless up as well. Subscribe to this podcast rate it, leave a comment, show me some love. I love seeing your comments and breakthroughs and testimonies. And I would love to to encourage you and support you as you share. So go ahead and do that. You can also share this with a friend. Sometimes just getting a message and being able to listen to it opens and unlocks breakthrough in other people's lives. So I would share the wealth that you received today. And if you want to connect, if you want to take accountability in your life and unlock some of your blessings, I am here to serve. You can visit julianapage.com for coaching and you also can apply to be a part of the God's Vibes Mastermind. This is a mentorship with all sorts of goodies that you can learn about over at julianapage.com. All right, guys, until next time, stay blessed. Stay blessed.